You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, welcome to Utabia. Stephen Chicken here. David Hartrick, not down a dodgy phone line from yeah, Stephen Nedley. I can only apologise uh, for the fact that it sounded like I was commentating on a Cup Winners' Cup <laughs> third round game in about 1982. But it was it was supposed to record my mic and have a clean line, but for some reason something went wrong and it just recorded the Skype line. So apologies to all. It's okay. We'll forgive you. You, you that line was still better. Than Huddersfield Town's performance <laughs> in the 3 0 defeat to Cardiff. Lovely yeah, segue. On Wednesday night. We, we were again up in the air about whether we were going to do a podcast today. We thought, well, do we leave it till after Derby or do we do we get straight on it? But after that game, I think we, we, had, to, we yeah. had to come in, didn't we? Yeah. I think there's. The, there's been a little bit of over the top reaction to it, and but I think we need to. We get accused sometimes of being overly positive, and but I think here there are lots of things that we need to criticise and talk about. So yeah, so yeah. basically just uh, take that QPR podcast that we did. But every time we talk about QPR, yeah. imagine we're talking about town, and every yes. time we talk about town, imagine we're talking about Cardiff. Yeah, we'll see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it, it was top to bottom a poor performance, both at the front mm. and at the back. Town had all of the possession, all of the territory got done on the counter for two of the goals and by a set piece that was that was defendable mm. for the for the middle goal. Just a bad day at the office? I, I think, uh, like, one of the reasons we're going to do this podcast is because I think we need to go a little bit more in-depth in this game than we would normally do. Because it has slightly come out of the blue. Neither of us were expecting that. We both sat in the press box before the game and fancied town, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, you said a win, I said a draw. Yeah, but I think we're, we're very much on Danny Cowley's side. We think he's the right man for the job. And we have said that and we have praised him all the way through. Uh, but I think here it's right to be a little bit critical because I think town set up wrong. I don't think they changed it enough in game. And uh, you know they paid they paid the price, but we'll go into it in a bit of detail in in a minute. But I think the first thing I'd say is that Cardiff are they're, they're a good side, but they're a very predictable side. So their back four I think has played all of the last eight games. I think Tomlin's played every every game uh, of the last eight. I think they had White. They've signed Adoma on the right. He's so he played the last game. And town know all about him because they were after him on deadline day. Yeah, the only thing Cardiff have tend to change um, over the last ten to ten games is they've been through all four of their strikers, which is Ward, Patterson, Robson, Carnu, and uh, Gretzel. So that was the only variable, and they play a very sort of compact four-two-three-one and tries to be difficult to break down. And I don't think I don't necessarily think going with a four-two-three-one against that in the way that Town did it was the right way to do it to be perfectly honest with you I think they could have adjusted it slightly I think 
the four-two-three one is obviously the way that Town want to play and how they want to yeah. go forward. But they almost try to just match them up, and it's like, well, no, because you've got to do a bit more than that because they're difficult to break down and very compact. And in a really good form at the moment as well, Cardiff. Yeah, and they've drawn a lot of games, but they haven't they haven't lost a game other than a penalty shootout since New no. Year's Day. So, yeah. So I I, I thought. The way, I mean, if you look at the three goals individually, that one straight ball catches all four defenders completely square, yeah. literally in the line, all square. The second goal is just a training ground run yeah. across to the front post. And the third goal is just, uh, I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's a calamity, but it's so preventable. Probably not at the level of calamity, possibly at the level of shambles, I would say. Yeah. It was a counter-attack and, and there's... Three occasions where they let a runner go go free. The first one you can kind of understand because Julia Hoylett mm. is is making the run, and, and Simpson has to pick between whether to stay on Hoylett or whether to slot back into the back yeah. four. And I, I think he, to be fair, he's, he's he's a coin flip there because if he doesn't slot into the back four, Patson's got an easy yeah. run up the left. So easy to forgive that one. But then when Tomlin gets into the box, Andy King doesn't pick him up mm. um, when he gets onto the deflection from Julia Hoylett's shot, and then Tomlin has a shot and. Danny Simpson's just watching the play go on while Callum mm. Patson, who was his man, has just strolled into the six-yard box, gets the loose yeah. ball, just puts it in the net. It was uh, it was not good, and it's the kind of panic that we've generally seen less and less of as the mm. season has gone on. I know they had the first goal against Fulham was was a bit of a you know a bit of a mess as well, but you know, by and large they've started to cut those errors out. So it's mm. really disappointing from from Town's perspective to see that seeping back in but the other bad habit they've got back into was the was in attack yeah the the we both made the comment that it, it was like watching Town in the Premier League last season which is the way you beat Town is to give them the ball yeah and that's exactly what happened last night sterile possession again not making the right runs not you had players who weren't trying to find space so that other players were having to try and find space in their areas, leaving gaps in the middle. It was, it just didn't work, and that's what I mean about. I, I think they could have set up a bit differently. I understand not wanting to change a win inside. Yeah, I get that completely. But Town were not great for the first forty-five minutes Saturday. No. It, it, you know, we talked about the fact that that game was Town doing something they hadn't done all season, which is not really playing at their best and just running out routine 2-0 winners in a home game. So it wasn't like they were coming off a barnstorming, you know, 4-0 victory or anything. And I I just think they needed a little bit more yesterday and I thought I thought they they could have done with changing it at half time as well. Yeah, but it took until the 58th minute for them to make the double change. But those were both kind of as like for like as you're going to yeah. get off that town bench. Uh, Fraser Campbell came on for Steve Mooney and Andy mm. King was on for Jonathan Hogg and it was strange that I I must admit I thought it was strange that Cowley came out afterwards and said he thought the, the work ahead of the ball wasn't good enough They would, it wasn't strange that he said that he was right but it was strange that he was obviously aware of that but took until nearly an hour to, to make those mm. changes and that when he did make those changes there was no change in shape no change of approach no. uh, and that's what I think it needed Yeah, it, 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 like Cardiff was so comfortable defending against town though it was so easy to play against them last night that it felt you know 
you put the question to Danny in the press conference last night and said it was like watching down the Premier League last season and he said you know I, I can't speak about that because I wasn't there I understand his reaction to that but at the same time it really was it was like old habits yeah. in a few players and it it was just a bit of a collective zero really nobody in the team played at their best and sometimes even if you've got a couple of players who are somewhere near you can get through yeah it's fine but I mean Smithrow I think and O'Brien were as close as you got to a sort of seven out of ten maybe yeah but everybody else was very much a four or five yeah I think Danny Simpson had his second bad game in a row, I think. Um, I would probably say more than that, to be honest. Well, I th- I think the thing is that he doesn't... I mean, we, we probably need to get into specifics now, and I think one of the problems is with Simpson is that he hasn't got the legs to go rampaging up. I mean, I don't, I don't have any stats for how many crosses he's put into the box, but it won't be many. Yeah, it was interesting I, I, you mentioned that because I saw an interview... With him, where he said uh, he said he's he, he never thought he'd say this, but he's really looking forward to having a preseason. Yeah, because he didn't have one last summer. Mm. He was a free agent, you know, from from when he was released by Leicester through to when Town signed him in September. And we were all really impressed with him when he came in. He brought solidity to the back line that yeah. they hadn't had when Flo was playing at right back. But he's he since he's come back from his first injury, I don't think he's been at it at no. the back either. No, is the thing and. I mean, we, we saw against Middlesbrough, we talked about Middlesbrough, mm. picking the wrong runs and going with the wrong runners, and, and he did that did that again against Cardiff. It's I, I, would, I don't want to lay into him because, you know, he, I admit, you know, you have to acknowledge he hasn't had that pre-season mm. and they have made changes to that back four constantly throughout the season, but he isn't playing at the level that, that they require no, at the moment. But Danny Simpson, is a, as a character, um, you only have to do a sort of minute amount of research into him really and you will realise very very quickly that he is a character who will be very aware of that himself and he will yeah. you know there, there's a footballer whether you like him as a human being or not there is a footballer who will put in the hard yards to, to try and get back to where he needs to be so I don't think it's a massive worry longer no, term the other thing to mention is, is Danny Cowley did say after the QPR game that they had to bring him back sooner than they yeah. would have liked because yeah. Colin Grant's injury and I, that they had to move Bakuna out to the left. That it has happened with a couple of players. It's not yeah. just Simpson. I mean, like we had a brief chat before the podcast, but Hogg doesn't look 100% to me. No. Um, and he came off last night, a little bit of a knock and what have you, but he was blowing that last 15 minutes. He was good against QPR on Saturday. He he put in the challenge that basically wiped Eze out of the game. Mm. Um, but... He he looks like he's struggling with three games in a week, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. I think there's definitely a case on Saturday to do it the other way round, potentially with King and Hogg. Start King, bring Hogg on after an hour when King, King's legs start to go, or potentially even bring Chalabar back and play him there, do it a, a slightly different way. But, you know, time and time again last night, simple straight balls really hurt all of the back four. Yeah, You know, a little inside ball... And suddenly they were they were standing so square so many times last night. There was another one and one when they were two 0 up before half time, that was a, a great big hack from Toffolo basically trying to hack it clear, ran straight to to a Cardiff player. Lewis O'Brien did 
brilliant to get back and yeah. and get a challenge in on him. But again, it was one ball over the top. Yeah. And all four players were struggling. And we've not really seen that. They they Not with this back four, no. No. And it was Toffolo's probably his first not good game, I think. Yeah. And they they try to play a not a high line, but somewhere near a high line. You know, yeah. they don't it's the championship, so they don't get it's not like playing against Liverpool, <laughs> you know. But they got caught so easily, so so easily. Yeah. Right? It was, it, it could really. It was a weird game. We said at half time, Cardiff hadn't been in it that much, but could feasibly be four 0 up. Yeah, because they kept getting those one on ones. Yeah, I mean, it was Danny Cowley quite rightly pointed to the the fact that when teams have played directly against Town, yeah. they've really really struggled. And that, if, and that goes back to the first day of the season. We said yeah. after the Derby game, yeah. simple passes straight straight up the pitch, just but kill I, them. I do think with Schindler, you know, with Stearman, he hasn't got that excuse. But I do think with Schindler that he struggles a little bit with that ball because he's just he's had two years in the Premier League where that just doesn't happen. The, yeah. the ball's being passed sideways in front of you, and it's about taking up the position where you think you can track the man if needed, but also control the space. Yeah, and it is quite evident you know Danny used the word bullied that teams have come yeah you know to, to and played town and they have bullied them and they have yeah and they Stoke have. and Bristol and yeah. yeah and that I just think town can be at times they can look really passive yeah really really passive and I don't know what the quick fix is for that I really don't I think they get away with it more often than not so it's not a, you know it's not going to kill them it's not going to relegate them but it's something that really needs looking at. And if you're going to start Schindler and Stearman as your centre-backs next season, they've got to be, you've got to find a way to get them a bit more at it. You know, it's, it's difficult. It's a difficult one to solve. But the other thing was that Stearman tried to hit that diagonal several times and it just didn't come off last night. And that's a big weapon for town. That's one of their ways that they break the press, basically. Yeah. And that's why they've been playing Steve Mooney eh? beyond, yeah. beyond the goals that he's been scoring. Mm. And I think there was I think there's two occasions I can immediately recall where Stearman hit the diagonal and it just went straight out of play. So that you know, that's another thing that wasn't working last night. But Cardiff were very well set up for that. They were. I mean I, I always think it's instructive to go and look at what sort of the press covering the the opposition team have had had to say and the Wales online, our sister site were glowing about Cardiff to mm. be fair you know they said Lee Tomlin had his best ever game for Cardiff I don't think they yeah. gave any of their players on the day less than a seven I think ratings. but you see like a fit Jonathan Hogg and yeah. Tomlin doesn't have his best ever game yeah I guarantee that yeah. absolutely guarantee that so I, I'm not trying to make excuses but I think you can caveat Cardiff's performance really heavily and on another day one simple ball is not going to completely take four defenders out of it four times in the game yeah. five times in the game if anything that's not making an excuse it's kind of making it worse isn't it yeah so but defensively I thought there were there were issues um, you know collectively a bad day but it's it's attacking where town fell down last night they definitely miss Carlisle Grant and hugely Cowley acknowledged that after the game you know we praised them after that QPR game for the way that they dealt with Grant's absence and mm. you know they pulled together as a team and found other ways of doing it but you had some you know you mentioned to me earlier uh, the number of shots that Janine Bakuna had yeah I mean Janine Bakuna had six shots in the game last night um, 
of which three were on target and there was only Emil Smith-Rowe in a town shirt who had another shot on target. But he had six shots in the game, Bakuna. Nobody else had more than two. And in a shot-shy team, I know this is a funny thing to say, but that is too many for your left winger to be taking when he's not Carl and Grant. I mean, like the problem with town is they're not clinical enough by any stretch. So to put some numbers on this, like, for, for total shots in the championship, Town ranked 22nd, which is is not good enough. No. For shots on target, they ranked 19th. So they averaged 3.59, speed generous and round up four shots on target a game. They're going at a little over a goal a game. So four shots on target to get one goal, it's not great. Bear in mind, I think they're averaging, I think I worked it out even like over their last eight games, I think they're they're averaging about 13 shots a game. Yeah. So it's just nowhere near clinical enough. But you've got to understand the fine margins in this division in that below town for shots on target in 22nd place is Nottingham Forest. <laughs> now, town are fifth from bottom yeah. and Nottingham Forest are fifth from top. Yeah. So that gives you an idea of the difference being clinical. And I don't want to lump this all on the strikers, but Carlin Grant has taken, it's coming on now for well over a third of all town shots on target this season. And that's just too much on one man. (laughs) You know, other people have got to step in. And there was the, after the first goal, there was the cutback to Steve Mounier. Yeah, within 90 seconds. He's in a very good position and all he's got to do is get the shot off. And he's either going to score, work the keeper, get the corner or the ball's going to stay somewhere live in the attacking third. And what he does is an air shot. Yeah. <laughs> and take just takes a massive swing and a miss. And that is where, like, for all the good things he does and the good form he's in, that's where you remember he still has his limits. Fraser Campbell has scored, what, two goals this season? Yeah. I think, and he's on 20 appearances now, over yeah. 20 appearances. The problem with Carl and Grant is he's having to do it all on his own when you bury down into the stats and soon as he's gone out of there you do get this position where you've got the wrong players taking shots because Janino Bakuna we rate massively highly I mean we bigged him up before mm. the season started and he completely let us down didn't he and he, then he came into that sort of really good vein of former who's coming off the bench he was making a real difference he's regressed again a bit for me and he's he's you know he's, he's still very up and down I would say yeah extremely up and down but the problem is you've got to look at the shot quality as well as in Carlin Grant comes into that area on that corner of the box and takes the shot on and it's it's a good value chance whereas Bakuna's stock in trade is to cut inside from 25 yards out and hit it as hard as he possibly can yeah and you know it's not it's not effective no (laughs) It's, it's not working and Cowleys keep telling him simplicity is genius but that counts for shooting as well. You know, you have to look and players have to understand what value they put on this chance. Is yeah. there a different way of... Is that pass to a better player in a better position the better option? Bakuna is at his best when he's about 30 yards out and he's, he's looking to play other players in. I mean, we yeah. saw that against QPR, that ball he played for Toffler that we raved yep. about in Monday's podcast. And yeah, I think when you... As you say, when you've got him cutting inside into the penalty box, that's probably not... Where no. he's from out wide, that's probably not where he's most effective. You want him to be the man in the middle running onto mm. it. But I think one of the other criticisms, and I think 
that came up on Twitter last night, I forget who it was, talked about Toffolo yeah. potentially limiting O'Brien's game. I don't actually think that's the case. I think Toffolo has to stay wide on that flank and he has to attack because nobody else does it left or right. Yeah. So Bakuna's natural instinct is, is to cut in. Kachunga's natural instinct is to stay deep or when he's high, cut in, yeah. not go to the byline and get a cross in. So, you know, Toflo is the only one who is, is getting chalk on his boots. He's the only one yeah. who actually stays wide and gets crosses in. And I think that's, that's an issue. But if you play a 4-2-3-1, those two, defender, uh, those two midfielders, one of the things they have to do is step in for the wing-backs. Yeah. But Hogg doesn't have to do it for Simpson because Simpson doesn't push on like that and he doesn't get crosses in. But that's part of Lewis O'Brien's game going yeah, forward exactly. is, is to step in there. Yeah, but that's the same for any you know a really high class team. That's that that midfielder has to do that same job, and he's good at that job. As you say, mm. plays through strengths. He's a really good box to box midfielder, and you saw that. We already mentioned that one on one that Cardiff got, where he raced back and made a, an inch perfect tackle, where I think another player might have gone steaming into the back of him. Yeah, and yeah, that I think to be honest, it's probably the correct use of Lewis O'Brien. Yeah, to to have him use, using him as the link up and cover for for Toffolo. Yeah. But that I can't see any other way to do it, no. <laughs> because I don't. I I think Toffolo's fine defensively, but he's literally doing a job in a first level, and nobody else is doing it at the moment. Yeah. We don't know how good Willock's going to be on the other side. I think longer term he'll be good, but he needs some football need some minutes in his legs but uh, you, there's just no other way to do it if you play a 4-2-3-1 yeah. and I don't think the thing is I don't think any of these problems are unsolvable I don't think there's huge great big gaps there but it, it's another game where you look and you think Smithrow is absolutely brilliant but he's still a very very young footballer Yeah, I text you even though you were sitting next to me I text you because I was on my headphones but I texted you and said he's a really good footballer isn't he Steve <laughs> Put yeah, my neck right on the line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just, as we've talked about a million times, he's just got that, that quality on the mm. ball and he makes the right decisions. But as we talked about, he is not going to do everything on his own no. and can't be expected as a 19-year-old. I mean, he, he did it against Fulham, but to drag the team through the game pretty much on his own. And, and the times he pulls wide to the right because Kachunga doesn't look to get crosses in, you know, very rarely does... Kachunga go on the outside of a man and get a cross in. Mm. So quite often Smith Rowe was actually drifting over to the right. And then you end up with Jonathan Hogg on the edge of the box. Yeah, because you end up with Mounier in the middle waiting for a cross that isn't going to come. And he's got two defenders on him anyway, Mm. because there's no Emile Smith Rowe behind him that anyone's got to pick up. So these these are the issues, these are the quandaries that they've got to to solve. And we saw that Smith Rowe peeling off to the right worked against Mm. Fulham, but Cardiff defend very differently to, to Fulham yeah. as you say they're much more compact that they're, they're happy to sit there and just take the crosses all day to be honest it reminded me very much of the, the Derby game yeah. um, you know opening day of the season in that obviously Town were playing a very different system than a 4-3-3 but they came up against the side who went 2-0 up and were then very very happy to say right let's see what you've got yeah. they basically you know turned the attack arrow right down <laughs> And, uh, yeah, you know, even though Town got the penalty in that game and it was 2-1, they were so comfortable to just have a line of four and then three in front. It was two last night. And it, it's just Town were just too easy to play against. Yeah, they were. 
here's here's the thing. Here's a question for you, Mister mm. Host. Does Pritchard make a difference in that game? Possibly. I mean, as, as I think we've alluded to before, Danny Cowley thinks he, he was probably this is different now with Toffolo in the side, mm. but the only player in that squad that could cross. Mm. And yeah, I, I think getting him on potentially putting Smith Rowe out wide instead. Yeah, putting Pritchard. It's what he allows to happen around him isn't it mm. like you can move players into different places and have Smith Rowe playing out, yeah. on, out wide where he was drifting to anyway Yeah, you can have Pritchard playing as the number 10 and mm. he's a different kind of number 10 to Smith Rowe Smith Rowe likes to run at people and yeah. um, whereas Pritchard is much more about giving and receiving and looking for through balls and looking for, for crosses mm. it is a shame he continues to be unavailable we are told that he's close, but he effectively needs a pre-season at this stage, and that's what yeah. they're putting him through because is uh, we've talked about his knee issue before. He's not going to make it worse. He just has to play through the pain, and but he hasn't. He's only played three times in the last three months. Mm. He's only played three times since August, in fact. Mm. So you know, going on for six months now. So he will need a bit of time to get to fitness. But I think definitely he's he's a. A weapon that they they could use. I mean, I was slightly surprised that he didn't stick King in at that number ten when when King yeah, came on. Yeah, I, I I was as well to be honest with you. I, I I think that's the sort of game that like a fit and inform Alex Pritchard makes a big difference to because it's his cleverness against a really compact back six yeah. that suddenly finds those pockets of space and starts to pull some of those six out of position to and I think with Smith Rowe it's not that he's not good I mean I thought he was really good again last night but he's not about just cutting inside darting inside creating space for someone else you know trying to create a channel for someone he is very much give me the ball I'm going to make it happen I'm going to take the man on I'm going to have a shot I'm going to pull wide and try and get a cross in whereas like you say Pritchard's a far more unselfish player um, don't get me wrong I'm not saying that's a better thing than Smith Rowe I yeah. think both approaches have really different. really got their, their value and it allows you to have both on the pitch at yeah. the same time that's the key thing I think. Yeah. so I, I just wonder if before the end of the season if we might we might get exactly as you said Smith Rowe outright Pritchard in the middle hopefully because I mean we asked Danny Kelly about this during that extended press conference it was one of the mm. extra questions mm-hmm. that we thought of was you know how do you actually get Pritchard and Smithrow onto the pitch at the same time? And he just said, you know, good players find a way of playing together. And you could, as as you say, you could put Smithrow wide, mm. you could put Pritchard on either flank, really. It'd yeah. be a more natural crosser from the right, probably. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he could be a really big, important player for, for making that attack improve. Yeah. But I think the other thing to sort of talk about is, for all this was a big step back, they are still trying to put together a new style of play. Yeah. I mean, they've only been able to play this 4-2-3-1 since, what, the Brentford game? Yeah. Uh, which was less than a month ago. It's not going to happen overnight. And no. they have they've been overriding, overridingly positive over the past few games. But it isn't all going to be perfect all at once. No. And I think a game like this was always going to happen. I think it the, the, the fact that it was so bad was was a worry. But yeah. it was they were never going to be on top of their game every game. No, I think we've, we've all been guilty of looking at Toffolo and Stearman as well and how well they've come in and fitted into that team and gone, right, brilliant, that's that sort. Yeah, they're never going to have a bad game. Yeah, and you forget that 
like your first couple of games, your adrenaline's really high, you're, you're desperate to make an impression and what have you, there's always going to be a slight regression before you then find your average level because you understand the relationships with the players around you more and what you're going to be facing. And I, I, you're right, I think there will, there will be another game like this before the end of the season, no doubt. Yeah. But I think you've got to be... I mean, it's a horrible, horrible word to use and I hate... I hate it even coming out of my mouth, but town are on a journey. <laughs> you know, that's that's the reality. That's, that's there's no other way to phrase it. And there are going to be performances like this. And I think that you can, like the Cowleys are the right men for the job right now. But they still that transfer window was an unqualified success. But they still don't have the squad that they want. The mm. the job to be done in the summer to create the squad they want is still pretty big. Yeah. Now they're a lot happier than they were and you could you could tell that Saturday. I mean Cowley was like a different man in the press conference. But yeah, there are still some black holes, there are still some areas where they've got no experience. There are still areas where you think that's where Pritchard comes in and plays. They don't have any cover for the left wing. Yeah. I mean Danny Cowley listed a, a load of players that can play there but mm. The point is that they've not got an out-and-out player who no. wants to make that his own other than Carlin Grant. And that's that's why Toffolo's job is so important in getting up that left mm. side because where you want Carlin Grant is not on the wing. Mm. You want him cutting inside and you want him getting into that space on the corner of the box. So there's no other way to do it that side, but the right side I think is an issue because if you have Simpson who, who stays deeper anyway, you know, he's... For example, even at corners, he's the man they now leave on the centre circle. He rarely gets sort of over the halfway line with any sort of attacking intent now. And then you've got Kachunga, who is not a natural out-and-out winger and who is absolutely brilliant at putting in the hard yards, doing the hard work, doing what his manager wants. But in this situation where Town needs somebody who's going to tie a full-back up and is hopefully going to bring a centre-back over also to create a bit of space... Yeah, he's, he's, it's an issue. And I think they've got to give Willock more minutes and I think they've got to try him right as soon as possible because he came in on the left. Yeah. Came in on the left last night with sort of 14 minutes to go and 3-0 down. It's Yeah, it's a hide into nothing, isn't it? All, all you're doing there is just trying to get a little bit of fitness because yeah. nothing else is going to happen. And give Smith-Rowe a bit of a rest because the yeah. game's gone at that point. Yeah. Just take him off, get him, get him a bit fresher for Derby. It is a journey and I think town fans need to understand they've got a manager who, if anything, is almost too honest with himself. Yeah. And a defeat like that hurts. Really, really hurts. And you could see in the press conference last night he was I mean it was like chalk and cheese from Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah. Um everything was coming up Millhouse Saturday and then <laughs> But yeah, it it's one of them that I think there was a lot of overreaction on Twitter last yeah, night. Yeah, I think so. I mean, as I say, I think you have to to talk to consider the fact that they're changing to a new style of play. And you know, I looked at the last twelve games; they've picked up seventeen points. The twelve games before that actually starts with that seven-game unbeaten mm-hmm. run, which then turned into uh, nine games out of ten unbeaten. I think it was, or uh, eight out of nine, perhaps. No, it was 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10 unbeaten. And they had 17 points in those games yeah. as well. It's just that... Uh, I think because they've shifted the style of play, 
people are expecting it to to pay dividends straight away. But mm. what what is noticeable is that the draws have dried up. Yeah. In that spell, they were drawing a lot of games. You know, five, mm. out of those ten, nine out of ten that they went on beating, five of them were draws. Yeah. They've only drawn two of their last ten games. Mm. So it is kind of all or nothing at the moment. But you get more points for a win and a loss than you do for two draws. Yeah. Well, when you know, town fans will remember when Lee Clark won <laughs> one thousand two hundred and thirty-eight matches. You know, went unbeaten and what have you. That was what killed them. They went on that fantastic run. Too many draws. Yeah. So I can completely understand that philosophy. But it's when you get a game last night where you don't get anything out of it and you also have 70% possession effectively. Mm. I think it was 69 point something. You don't score. You don't create anything. I mean, the, the worrying aspect of last night is Bakuna's shot that came from that... Uh, from the defender just cutting out that cross where he tried I think he should have shaped to the far corner but he went to the near corner mm. first half that was pretty much about as clear cut as anything got there was Mounier's yeah. air shot about that's, it that's all I can think it's of about it really Yeah. and that's that's an issue that's that, an issue that with handball, 70% possession that's an issue that handball wasn't a penalty either it was a big shout and I, I know that from the interview he did for the TV uh, that Danny Cowley wasn't very happy with it but it was textbook that that picture of the, yeah. of what the natural position is. The player was literally standing like that. Yeah, it hit, definitely hits his hand, but he's standing in a textbook what the rules define as a natural position. But but to play devil's advocate, there was quite a decent distance between ball and defender. But there. he doesn't move his hand at all. He doesn't, he doesn't move his hand towards the ball. He doesn't. But I do think that comes into it because. You can stand there in that natural position, and if they're away, where well, you just go, well, I'm not going to move my arm. <laughs> you know, I think you. There's an argument to say you should make some effort to take your arm away from it. I know he's got to try and block the ball, but you can't just do that. So I, I understand Cowley's side of it, if you like. Yeah. But you know, letter of the law, rules help control the fun, Steve. As you know, <laughs> yeah, you're you're exactly right. But that's. But not every game is going to be last, like last no. night. And there were one or two people who were sort of questioning the Cowley's tactics. And you think, well, up until the transfer window, it's been horses for courses. They've done the 4-3-3. They've tried the 4-2-3-1. They've had round pegs in square holes. They've had, had injuries. We've had 4-4-2. You know, it's been all over the place because they've literally just had to make do and make. I mean, if you read Phil Hodgkinson's programme notes and from the Cardiff game, he was talking about the very fact that you know they were just doing whatever they could to try and get points yeah, which just, is why they drew so many games I mean no no football manager wants to live from game to game no. they they want to have an idea of the plan for the next yeah. three games and that, and that, that's what they're trying to put in place I think that's mm. probably another reason why they did stick with the 4-2-3-1 because yeah. it's well even if we lose this game we'll I, learn something from it I think they have to stick with the 4-2-3-1 but yeah. I think what you do within that formation yeah, is you, you adjust and yeah Move players it's a very around. flexible formation. The other thing is they've they've got a. We can all sit here and say you know Carl and Grant's big miss and all that sort of thing, but they're in danger of relying so heavily on him that they do what I think they've done with Hogg, what I think they've done with Simpson, what I think they've done with another couple, is bring him back too soon and then he goes off the boil for a month. Yeah. So it's that's a bit of a tightrope as well. Like it's not. It, it's not easy in this situation at the moment when the games keep coming and coming and coming. I mean, getting knocked out of the FA Cup doesn't feel like a bad thing now, does it, at all? <laughs> I don't think it 
particularly did at the time. No, but so there will be nights like last night, but I, I think you've just got to keep a little bit of the faith. Well, this is it. I mean, as I put in the five conclusions, which I highly recommend you read. Um, if you look at the yeah, form table, too rubbish, <laughs> too long. If you look at the form table, last six games played, town three of the teams that are below town are also below town in that form table. That yeah. last six games, and there's a clutch of teams not far above town. I think it's Hull, Reading, QPR, and Middlesbrough. Between them, mm. <laughs> in their combined last twenty-four games, they've had one win, which was QPR beating Leeds. Yeah, and. The furthest, the highest of those four is Hull, and they're only five points ahead of Town. Mm. So I know that you know that form isn't going to continue to the end of the season. But my point is that there's a lot of teams in that bottom half that are in a much worse position than Town at the moment. Yeah, and which is what makes me think they're still going to be okay. I still think yeah. you saying sixty to sixty-five points was utter madness. But <laughs> I just enjoy being positive. No, I think. The reason I think they might get near 60 points is because I don't think they'll take 17 points out of their next 12 games. I think they will... Between the... I mean, there's what? There's... Is it 16 games left? 14. 14 games left. I think they will... You know, they will pick up and they will, they will take more. They've got a lot of the sides below them to play. They've got a lot of sides around them to play. They've got a tough two weeks coming up. Yeah. Very tough two weeks. But once they get through that... There's sort of a big banner round the Leeds game, mm-hmm. put everything into that, and they've got to play West Brom at home. And yeah. that's, I think, I don't think you write it off by any stretch, but I think you have to accept that if so, if, if the fairy was to offer you a point now, you'd snatch his hand off. Um, but apart from that, I think the four-two-three-one and the players in it are, is going to get better and yeah, more exactly. refined, and players are going to understand their roles better. I don't think they're going to stand still. No, and... Carl and Grant will come back in. And the, the the stats I've given up about shots on target, it's not like people at town don't know that. Yeah. They, they will know their problem is they're just not clinical enough. And they have to find ways of getting Bakuna scoring, of getting Smith-Rowe scoring, of getting Kachunga scoring, of getting Grant and Mounier scoring. Now, I know Mounier is scoring at the moment, but and Grant is scoring at the moment, but they've got to keep that form up and... For Mounier, let's be honest, that's a question mark at the moment, if he can sustain that. And Campbell is very, very good at a very specific role. He's got to add goals to it. (laughs) He's got to add some goals to it. I know we've talked before about this sort of system where it's the unselfish striker who's there to bring others to play, but the the people who do that most effectively also chip in themselves. Mm. And the fact that Campbell's got more yellow cards than goals at the moment... (laughs) is quite a big worry and particularly when you see him come on and he's not getting in the positions that's my issue at the moment he's not whether he starts or comes on a sub he's not getting into good areas at the minute because he's sort of hairing about press and everything which looks great you know and everybody cheers when he chases that defender down and you know ball goes out for a throwing because he's put in some sliding tackle that's that's got it but it's you've also got to be a bit more effective. You know, there has to be something behind and beyond that, doesn't there? Yeah. So these these are the issues. But like I say, it won't be a shock to town. They won't be listening to this podcast and going, why haven't we looked at this before? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think they'll be looking at this podcast and saying, well, I think that criticism is very unfair. Well, hopefully not. I'm sure we'll hear about it soon enough if there is. But, I mean, after the Leeds game, they've got 
that home game against Wigan, and you said to me last night mm. that that probably if you I, win that, then yeah, I, as long as as long as they don't completely mess it up between mm. then and now and lose every game, probably if they beat Wigan, they'll be halfway home. Yeah, uh, this this is the thing. I still don't think Town are in trouble, I, and I know I've been sort of fairly routinely positive throughout the season, but. To, it, it's not so much what Town are doing; it's yeah, what exactly. the other sides exactly are doing. Exactly why I mentioned those other teams. There's, yeah. yeah, there's just there's so many other teams that are doing mm. worse than Town for as bad as people feel like they're doing. Which is strange to say because we sat here on Monday saying, and everyone was like, "All right, everything's yeah. going to be fine." They're beating QPR. There's a lot of other teams in that part that are yeah. a hell of a lot worse than Town at the moment. And most of them have got to play each other. Yeah. And remember, every time Town can do anything positive in a game. They're either staying the same distance for them or picking up points on them every single time. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just, I just can't bring myself to worry about relegation because I just don't think it's a concern. And I, I genuinely think that as long as they win that Wigan game, which I think they will, you know, I've done Wigan two or three times this season, and, and they are, I mean, I hate to say it, but they're a League One side. Mm. They really are. They have all the town's problems writ large, really, in, in front of goal. Only they create. You know, even less really. So, yeah, uh, it's just a bad night at the office, isn't it? It's just hopefully the, re- the reason we've done this podcast is because it just came so out of the blue last night. Yeah, they yeah. should not have lost three 0 last night. No, as in by which you mean they should be better than that. Not, yeah, not that it was. And they the are wrong better than that. They yeah. are better than that. That's yeah. that's the reality. And, and I think it, if they in any way prove that they're better than that then yeah they'll be absolutely fine yeah it's it's making sure that this is a blip in a wider trend because you know the previous four games were were good yeah um although the you know they only got the the well they got seven points from four games it's good Mm. um so it's making sure that this is a blip rather than Mm. them crashing back down to earth isn't it it is and in a funny sort of way i think it also helps it helps just keep expectations in check slightly because yeah you know I was very bold saying 60-65 points and to be fair I possibly thought there was 18 games left in the season for some (laughs) reason if I'm brutally honest with you I miscalculated that but I do think the signs are positive I do think they will pick up more than 17 points in the next 12 and I think in the next 14 they'll pick up more than enough and you know we mentioned Danny Simpson earlier saying he's look, really looking forward to a pre-season. I imagine the Cowleys are desperate to get into yeah. just get into pre-season and just there was, a, there was a, the problem for town fans, and I I understand why they're struggling with the calm down a little bit is because last season it was exactly the same. Everyone got to December um, and everybody was just really really low, and then Wagner goes and Yang came in, and everybody was like, it just needs the season to end. Now yeah. it literally just needs it to end because they they nothing different can be done. And the problem is that we've got another season here where everybody's sitting here, expectations are well in check, and it's just like we just need the season to end so that we can get the summer in in place and you know get players in and all that sort of thing. And I, I understand the frustration. Yeah, totally. I really understand the frustration, but it is what it is. And you know we should also talk about. Town's new man coming in in the summer as well, or new old man. <laughs> yeah, Lee Bromby going to be the new head of football operations. David Webb. The news broke just after we finished recording on Monday that that he would be. And when you say just, literally, as I drove home, got out the car and walking in, 
he'd gone, yeah. which was slightly annoying. It's Tuesday, wasn't it, not Monday? But yeah, David Webb will be leaving at the end of the season. Lee Bromby will be taking over, stepping up from being the academy manager. Mm. Uh, what, what do you make of that appointment, David Hartrick? Well, Stephen Chicken, um, I, I think it's a good appointment. We, we, were, we were talking a bit about structure last night and recruitment, etc. And the Cowleys are obviously going to play a far bigger part in recruitment going forward. You've got Josh Marsh, who's doing your scouting and providing your targets. You've got Devlin there now, who is starting to feel less and less like a temporary appointment, if I'm brutally honest. Yeah, I don't think the intention was ever that he was... I, no. It's a bit strange that they put that word interim on there, because the way mm. that the club talk about him, I don't think there's any expectation he's going to leave. No, and I think you 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 got word. I mean, we're not stepping on anyone's toes, but you got word that it was essentially so that both parties could have a little look at each other. But yeah. the... The way he has set about the job, I think, has been pretty impressive, really. Yeah. And he's, he's on a bit of a PR mission. He was on Radio Leeds. He yeah, was at the Sports Trust well. yeah. and he's, he's, you know, and I think that's very good and very positive going forward. But I think you've got so you've got Josh Mars doing his scouting. I think that I think Josh Mars gets criticised quite unfairly from the point of view of people assume he's the one providing every name yeah. and he's the one who's got all the names from it. That's not how it works. That's not... Yeah. It, he, 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 could, he could pick the 10 best up-and-comers in the... Yeah. Champ- I'm not saying this is what he's done, by the way, but he could pick the best 10 name mm. up-and-comers from the Championship. But if the director of football... Goes and buys Diacarby and yeah. Benza. Yeah. Or the manager says, no, I want this player. Then yeah. that's scouting's... Yeah. So I, I think just to go back to Bromby and the structure, you've got Devlin there who is... is there to sort of you know, know work with Phil yeah is to work with Phil is to negotiate on Phil's behalf and is to he will also having come from Bradford who are a real I mean like, again I hate the phrase but they are the real money ball experts yeah. over the last five years yeah. in all four divisions I would say of English football he will understand that side of the game and I think what you needed in that role I think whereas Webb is very much a sort of, he takes quite a holistic approach and he wants to identify players who are going to be good in 2021-22, I think Town needs somebody who can identify the players right now. So I can understand that approach. And I think Bromley's a good appointment because Town's single biggest black hole at that club at the moment is moving the academy and the development squad forward. And with the redevelopment of the canal side and the investment that's got in, they've got to see some return on players yeah. coming through and making the first team. There has to be pathways. Yeah, I mean, they've had Lewis O'Brien this season. Yep. And Jaden Brown stepped up. We've had a lot of players who've come through, like Matty Daly and, you know, Osterfield made the bench, Harrett made the bench. But, you know, the, the fact that someone like Harrett is now out at Harrogate Town getting some football shows you that, yeah good for the future and good to be involved with the squad but still a way off yeah. championship yeah. football so yeah so I, I think it's an entirely sensible appointment when you have those two managers as well who want to be heavily involved in recruitment it's it's a sort of slight change from what David Webb were doing and it's a two way street the, the club has to have the right man in place and the right man has to understand what the club needs and yeah. wants and the one thing Bromby's he's been there through it all yeah he's been there six years the, you know, the, the, I think 
probably the club would acknowledge that they've got it wrong with the last few appointments yeah. for this role, but they know that at the very least Bromby is going to be a safe pair of hands and, and is very unlikely to go running mm. off to the first club that makes him an offer because we're, we're led to believe he has had other offers and has mm. stuck by the club. So, I, I think it's worth saying though as well, I don't think Webb was necessarily the wrong man. I think he was the right man, but... But then they appointed so, immediately. Yeah, the circumstances yeah. sort of over overtook the situation, and suddenly the context changes. Yeah. And he was appointed to work with Jan. Yeah, and then well, it, but not only that, he was appointed to work within the context of we need to go and find players that you know we signed for half a million and we can sell for three and a half yeah. after two or three very good seasons out of them. And suddenly it became a context where no, we need. A player who can play on Saturday, never mind in yeah. 2021, yeah. you know, and, and be a seven out of ten. So, again, I don't, I don't think anybody should start sort of slagging him off or anything like that. It, it's, it's just what happens in football. It's what happens yeah. in business as well, isn't yeah. it? Context changes and circumstance change, but it, it feels like a, feels like a safe appointment. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not. Which isn't to say it's a bad one. No, by any means. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I, I mean, it's not sexy. He is. He's a very good-looking man. Yes, but it, you Silver know, it, fox. it's not a some sexy German bloke coming in who who's got all this list of targets. But yeah, I think it's it's really eminently sensible, really. Yeah, excellent. Right. Well, thank you for coming in as usual, Dave. No problem. I'll let you limp off home now. Yeah, my back's in tatters. Oh dear. And we'll see you next time on Uta Beer. Goodbye. Uta Beer.